You want to do the exact opposite. Don't jump up. Don't do anything. For heaven's sakes, don't get seduced by somebody's new shiny penny, i.e. sales page. And instead, take a breather, go someplace, sit down by yourself or your team and reinvent what you're doing. You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinklikeafish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show. My name is Adam King, your host and the captain of the ship at growth consultancy Think Like a Fish. And if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies, advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality, let's get started. Hey, Adam here. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to quickly let you know about my Growth Accelerator implementation program. Now, this is ideal for owners or directors of established B2B professional service firms who want to generate more revenue in less time while lowering marketing costs. And it's especially ideal for those who are sick and tired of the hype and false promises who instead like the idea of working with a partner that puts skin in the game with you and guarantees results. Now, if that is you, then the Growth Accelerator implementation program could be the perfect solution to setting you on the path to sustainable growth. Because when you partner with me for 90 days, I'll help you implement a simple and scalable business development system that is guaranteed to generate at least 500,000 of new revenue for your business in the next 12 months. And if you like the sound of this, make sure you visit thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash accelerator and watch the short video that explains how it all works. But before you go and do that, let's get to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to the B2B Growth Think Tank. Now, joining me today to help out a fellow leader on the virtual hot seat is someone who, that since 1999, has helped business owners, entrepreneurs in more than 50 different industries achieve real, measurable results using his unique approaches to growing revenue, increasing cash flow, and magnifying business value. Now, in this time, he's earned pretty, a pretty good reputation as America's business alchemist by helping business owners and entrepreneurs break free of inertia, accelerate into the future they dream of through his scaleology and business mastery systems, which he uses as the core foundational principles of dynamic and continuous business growth. And as he loves nothing better than sharing what he's learned by working with those who are dissatisfied with the status quo and they're eager to transform themselves and their business, I know that this is going to be an incredibly valuable hot seat session. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today, Bill Pratter, to the show. Bill, how are you doing? It's great to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for that beautiful introduction. I uh, enjoyed listening, seeing that you actually did a lot of research to dig all that out because I never gave you one as a as a guide. No, well, I enjoy um, stalking. <clears throat> I mean, researching my guests beforehand, and uh, uh, good. you know, we have had the uh, pleasure of, of of sharing a, a an interview before on on your excellent podcast as well. So. It's a it's a very interesting format, isn't it? It's a seven questions in seven minutes, and it's it's quite a challenge. Well, 
for me and anyone that listens to the show will understand. I can I can sort of go off on tangents. So that was a welcome challenge to keep things really succinct and um, and 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 punctual, which uh, was yeah, I really enjoyed the format. So definitely check out the uh, the podcast. So what I want to first of all start with is. I ask a question of, of my guests before um, coming on and, and to tell me a, a, a fun fact or something that's amazing about you. And, and, and yours indicated that you're a very good guy to ask about wine. So what is, <laughs> what in your opinion makes a fantastic wine? And why am I saying Well, that? I'll tell you what, yeah. So, uh, so that's a, an interesting question. And uh, I can tell you that years ago, Adam, uh, I had a wine cellar in my house that was uh, physically about uh, three meters by three meters. So it's a, it's a big room and uh, the, it was uh, high enough up that I had to get on a ladder to get up there. The reason for that was years ago, it was up to the buyer, if you will, to, to buy a wine, store it, test it from time to time until it finally got to the point where you thought this is really ready to drink. So that's the past. I don't have those kind of sellers anymore. I have a very small one. And the reason is, Adam, the industry's frankly really grown up well. So meaning that there's a, there's a high probability that unless you try to you know pay a teeny amount of money, you can get a, a, a very, very fine wine from a, many, many retailers that are very palatable uh, or even spectacular. So, but the short answer is, forget about all the snobs, forget about all the experts, drink what you like. Because the idea is simply to have fun. And if you're able to have fun with champagne or sparkling wine, do that. If, if you're able to have fun with some big, deep, rich port, do that. So have fun. That's that's really the right thing. And in fact, uh, knowing you the way I know you, that's the way you approach business in general. Yeah, absolutely. You've, you've got to enjoy things. And, and the reason I ask that is because you you sort of mentioned that you're a founding member of the, uh, the Knights on the Vine, and uh, that's America's, is it oldest wine connoisseur group? Is, is that the right way of describing it? Yeah, it started out as a a goofy idea of some local people to have some. So we had a, a test of on. We had badges and, we, you know, we look kind of sort of like if you can envision the people that wear the bow ties and and smoke the pipes, you know, that kind of an image. But then it actually turned into something international and uh, and uh, real and significant, actually. Yeah, you, they're almost in every country. Uh, it's not all that difficult to get into, but it, it it is fun. But it's a little, it's a little tight. By that I mean, there's not a lot of giggling. There's right. a lot of seriousness. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, if you've if you've got something you're passionate about, you want to take it seriously. So, um, no, that's interesting. I I, I like to sort of ask that around. Uh, you know, get to know the guest a little bit more uh, on a personal side before we move on to business and. I guess one of the questions I'd like to ask you as we come on to what you've done professionally is what is, what would you say is one of the most surprising things about your career to date that you maybe never expected going in, but now it's like, wow, I never okay, realized that. Yeah. Most surprising thing, I think if I looked forward 
or I, when I was young and looking forward, I thought, well, I'd, I'd, I'd get into a company, I'd perform well, I'd get promoted, and then life would be good. And I'd, I'd ride off into the sunset and one day, sit on the porch, uh, my feet up and enjoying retirement, if you will. So the most surprising thing was that I ended up uh, pushing the limit to the point where I got fired three times. So, so I, at, when I got fired at him, I felt bad. I thought, this is awful. I, I, just, I just failed and I got fired. And uh, now with, with the ability to look back, frankly, those were blessings. And, and really what, this, the, the, what was happening is uh, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and I wasn't bright enough to recognize it. And it took my boss finally <laughs> to step up and say, you're out of here. Now, uh, uh, I would encourage all of us to embrace failing because that's where you uh, are able to determine where the limit is, if you will. Now, it'd be nice to fail small several times versus falling on your face. You know, before we started, Adam, we talked about, you know, young children and how your daughter, you know, is going to figure out how to grow up without a giant community around her because of what's going on in the world. And so, uh, but we can do that to ourselves too. In other words, by that, I mean, we can shrink our experiences down to the point where we don't realize what's happening around us very much. And we think you know, we're sort of uh, moving forward in oblivion. And that's looking back the way uh, in retrospect, I was actually operating. I, I, for example, I was with a big corporation. I felt that performance was the key. Well, in a big corporation, oftentimes, I don't know if, Adam, if you've ever been in one, but uh, politics, politics is often the, the key. You've got to figure out how to be a politician in a big corporation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's to be honest with you, one of the big reasons why it didn't work for me. <laughs> I wasn't willing to pay politics. Um, I just didn't enjoy it. I just felt that you're there to perform a role, to do the best you can, and your results will speak for themselves. And that didn't always work, even though on paper very, very different between one and two people. It was just, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not playing politics. And, uh, you know, being that guy that is constantly, uh, slapping the back of the boss, even though, uh, you know, he turns around and, um, yeah, says all sorts of things. It just didn't, didn't fit with me. So that, that that's an, it's an interesting one. And, and I think it's something, yeah, I, it's similar. There's, it's, it's almost like you, you feel that you have that self-reliance and therefore you are invincible. Whereas actually when you realize you cannot do any of this alone. You do actually need, and maybe if it, you know, just because that environment didn't suit you, it didn't suit me. The politics thing, it could be a metaphor for its, its, its relationships and understanding the environment and the game that you're playing. And it's different in a business and it's different in a, in a, in a role and, and a job. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a fascinating, uh, yeah, answer in terms of, I, I can relate to it, put it that way. So, I mean, building on that though, would you say that having, having sort of got to that realization that there is one kind of skill or unique characteristic around you that has actually led or been a major contributor to your success? Probably the, uh, the major skill, if you will, is that 
I've, di I've discovered and believe that there's a right way to do things. And so, so uh, once you are able to figure that out, then that formula will help it be uh, successfully repeated time after time after time. Uh, a lot of people rely on, uh, on uh, if you will, innate skills to figure out something when they land in the middle of the mess. And uh, that's great, but it's, it's, it's uh, better to have figured out a skill. So, uh, so that's kind of the second part of mine. The first one is I'm always seeking the right way to do something. And then in order to get there, the other thing I like to do is make sense. I'm always trying to make sense. And so when I see a new environment, and basically anytime I have a new client, it's a new environment, and I quickly try to make sense of it. And once I can make sense and start, if you will, removing the, uh, the extra pieces and parts and signals, start reducing it down, then we're positioned properly to systematize it and, and figure out the right way to do it. So make sense of the environment, Mind comes naturally. If you don't have it naturally, you got to figure out how to do it. Make sense of the environment, and then convert that experience into a repeatable system or process mm -hmm. or methodology. So, do you think then that there is a predictable pattern or formula that somebody can actually use to build or grow a successful business? Is is there something out there that people can sort of take formulaically? Do you, do you think that exists or is it, is it something that has to be, that, that has to come from each individual person, business, that kind of thing? Well, uh, the answer is absolutely. Absolutely. The more successful a business is in its industry or niche, the more successful it is in its industry or niche, the more likely are you going to find similarities, uh, similarities between them. So in other words, you can look at a construction company that's at the top of their industry. You can look at a coaching, consulting, online training firm that's at the top of their industry. You can look at a, a uh, oral dental surgery practice that's at the top. And if you, and, and if you look at them uh, without focusing on their product or service, you'll see that they're very, very similar. Uh, and that's, They that's, follow the same pattern. That's really interesting because a lot of people may think, oh, they have a superior product. They have the better mousetrap, all that kind of thing. But let's be honest, we can look at stuff like McDonald's. They don't sell the best burgers, but they have the best system. So what do you think are those, if you had to sum up maybe the three core characteristics of those kinds of businesses that they have, what would you, what would you sort of say that they were? Well, uh, so first of all, I'll give you a little backdrop, a little, if, if I may, Absolutely. step back a little bit from the question. Uh, there are, um, no, there, it's, although this is a, a kind of a gradual change, I see that there's four phases of businesses. The, you know, let's, let's simply call it phase one, two, three, four. But the phase one, Adam, is where the business and the individual that owns the business are indistinguishable. So it's the same. These are the people that have, they're, they're solopreneurs, uh, they're, maybe their names on the door, if you will. 
uh, Janice Fitzgerald Chiropractic. And, and that's it. I mean, you just go, you, you go in and she's all by herself. Uh, she's got a couple people in the waiting room and then she walks out and she says next. So that's a good illustration. Uh, phase one. Phase two is sort of an extension of, the, of that first phase. And it's where people have hired some staff, but it's really to leverage themselves. So, so they're, they're not, they're not, uh, the staff is not independently operating. It's helping out, if you will, the boss. So it's still a boss dependent industry or a, a company. So phase one, the boss and business exactly the same. Phase two, there are some people there, but they're, uh, they're helping the boss out. Phase three is where the boss is becoming less essential, moving away and, and, and letting the team do it. In other words, back to our chiropractor, where you can walk in and see that she isn't even there, that there's three or four other people, and she's out uh, with her daughter uh, in, the, in the park swinging on a swing, and her business is running. So it's a boss independent business. So starts from they're one and the same. There's a little staff helping out to the, the individual owner is not essential. And once you get that point, you're able to get to this fourth zone where, where growth is virtually vertical. And that's where, where companies are growing dynamically. And so when I said, if you look at the elite atom of each industry, they look the same. So all all super successful companies at the highest level, i.e. the highest level of management, look the same. So, so that's a long answer to the quick question. So the, the, the objective, maybe, it doesn't have to be, is to move through those stages. You know, some people would be very happy to have themselves in a, in a virtual assistant someplace in Brazil or something, helping them out. Perfect. That's perfectly fine. So step one would be to figure out really where you want to get to. And maybe you don't want to have, you know, the number one player in your, in your industry. You'll be happy with having a few people and making a good, a, a good uh, living. So the answer is a little different stage by stage by stage. But, as, but, but the three major components are uh, number one, and we'll get on this later when we get into uh, our topic about our, you know, will our virtual hot, hot seat. But number one is, is to uh, not, not go along with the crowd, which says, deal with the hand that you get. Deal with it. No, 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 no. Cross that off. Number two uh, situation is that I suggest people turn on the or, or discard literally, and that is following the industry standards or the industry best practices. Ignore all of those. You will not find any elite player in any industry that does what the average company does. They do differently. It's entirely different. So the sooner you can say, I'm not going to follow the industry standard, the better off you'll be. And the third one, the third one is to be heavily, almost exclusively reliant on a high-powered team. So those are the, the three sort of things. And the last one is really the flip side of it is do not believe the way you've been programmed since childhood or birth, and that is you've got to be a superhero. You've got to be Wonder Woman. You've got to be the person that can do it all. 
once you once you deprogram yourself from that belief, the better off you are. Uh, the truth is, there isn't any such thing as an actual Wonder Woman, and don't try to go there. Instead, be somebody that says, I don't know how to do a thing. All I know how to do is run this business that's netting uh, a million five to me personally a year, but I don't even know the business very much. Perfect. That's excellent. Well, it's the difference, isn't it, between you know being an operator and an owner and actually sort of understanding there is a different skill set required and not everyone is going to be level four as soon as they start, are they? There is a growth period for the owner of the business as much as there is the business itself. And I think a lot of us sometimes forget that and that the growth of the business is sometimes plateaued by the level of the personal development of the owner themselves and their mindset and all the rest of it. But I think that ultimately what you're talking about there is success leads clues. And you can you can take a look at the people at the top and see how they're structured, if that's where you want to go, or look at a business at the level that you want to get to and maybe model it because that's you know one of the, the the smartest things you can do stand on the shoulder of giants and i i love your reference about wonder woman um not because we are looking like wonder woman today but it's it's more along the lines of i i do think you know a big thing about this this show and, and my, my business is that you can't do it alone and that you know ultimately a rising tide will lift all ships so i'm um, i'm curious to know is there someone in your career your your business today in the past that's had a, such a huge impact is it is it one person is it a group of people and what what was it that they gave you that helped you rise so uh the answer is it's been a group of people and um some of them have been uh sort of forward by saying i offer to be your mentor so that would be an example. But most, many of them are people that are just sort of giving you what appear at the time to be sort of offhanded advice. And uh, the trick is when somebody says something, particularly somebody that's been down the road before you. So if you, if you think about all of us, our comfort level is in, in our current situation with our current friends. Why? Because it's familiar. People like where you are. Now, when you decide to move out of that group and, and get into a different environment, when you said shoulders of giants, well, what happens then is your friends resist that. They like you the way you are. When you decide to, to change into something else, they resist it. So your family, your siblings, your friends, they're all anchors on this. So instead, what you need to do is look at somebody out there that's where you want to be and uh, be a pest and get on their, uh, and get on their uh, if you will, radar to the point where they can say something. So I remember, for example, quick story, I ended up, the big company I was talking about that I worked for, and I was on a fast track with them, fast track meaning getting promoted very fast, is that I ended up getting promoted from Seattle to an IBM plant down in San Jose. So San Jose, so San Francisco, bunch of, of the Bay Area cities, then San Jose is way down to south, if you will. 
So I got promoted there and the regional manager called me on the phone. I didn't know the guy, right? He calls me on the phone and says, uh, hey, Bill, uh, what I suggest you do is to find a place in Palo Alto, which is about halfway down the peninsula, San Francisco, all these cities, Palo Alto, then a bunch of cities, and then San Jose. Huh, I'm thinking to myself, that would make a pretty long drive to work. Pretty long drive to work. Okay, I didn't do it. I bought my house someplace else, close to work. So then along came a year, and I got a call from the same guy, and he said, hey, Bill, uh, I noticed that you didn't buy a house in Palo Alto. Now, this is like my boss's boss's boss. And uh, I said, no. And he said, well, here at IBM, uh, you, we can only move people once every two years. And since you were moved one year ago, you're not promotable. Right. So that little signal that said, why don't you buy a house in such and such a, a place? I could have said, well, why or something? I didn't. But uh, so the answer is uh, uh, mentors can be uh, can, can proclaim themselves. But most of the time, it's people that for some reason or another decide to give you a teeny little bit of advice. And, they'll, and they won't put it in, here's some advice. They'll just make a comment. And, uh, and so uh, I would encourage our listeners to be on the lookout for people that have been there before you that say any little sort of thing about any sort of little topic. And the way that you improve your hit rate, I guess, of, of that happening is by getting into an environment where, I mean, it's, it's kind of like where, I don't know if you heard of the concept of normalization. So your environment dictates, yes. you know, essentially where you're going to. So if you are looking to get to a level, then don't surround yourself with people that are just starting. Surround yourself with people that have the experience and where the things that you want to achieve are normal. You know, that whole thing, don't be the smartest guy in the room, get a new room, that kind of thing. And, and that is exactly it because when you are in those environments, that is when you can start listening. And it's a big reason for having a podcast because I get to talk to people that are way more experienced than me, yeah. way more um, knowledgeable about these sorts of things. I'm always listening out. I mean, I, I just sit and listen, sit and listen for some of these little nuggets. And it's, it's a fantastic, uh, I, 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 I'm blessed by it. I, I love the opportunity of, of talking with people. And uh, because this is my environment, it's you know, anyone that hasn't got something like this, I, I do think that you go out and try it just because you get the opportunity to talk to awesome people. So coming on to that, would you say that you've got a, a specific growth strategy that you've employed over the years that you keep coming back to over and over again, or has it evolved as you've gone? What, what are you using or what are you using today? Or what is your number one strategy for growing a business? Uh, the answer, the short answer is uh, that it stayed the same and evolved a little bit. Uh, so, so the foundational principles have not changed at all. Uh, out on the margin, things are a little different. So the, 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 I first discovered basically what I verbalized earlier on about you know, the way the elite players are different. I used to own an investment banking firm. We were in Wall Street in New York City, and uh, we had about 150 people that worked for me. But I uh, was so, even though I had a large number of people, I it was really in phase two. 
In other words, these people were supporting me. I was I was the one that was sort of made the deals, Adam, and then my my employees raised the money in simple terms. So uh, I wanted to sell the business. I was tired of it. Was worn out. It was a lot of stress. We had a lot of money involved and invested other people's money, and I was very filled with stress. I, nobody would buy my business. Why? Because I was such an inter, integral part of it. And I focused really hard on, on looking at the industry and try to emulate the best practices. And, and, and looking back, it was a fool's game. I, I got seduced into believing that nonsense. So, so one day, I just talking about mentors, I, I ended up meeting this woman who was a competitor of mine who owned an elite firm. It was not a big firm. It was just extremely elite. And so she said to me, Bill, you're looking in the wrong place. And I said, well, what do you, what do you mean? She said, well, look at, look at my company. Uh, so do I look like other investment banks? I said, well, no, you're kind of, you first, you are, and I'm exaggerating a little bit to make the point. You're a little bit of an odd duck. Yep, I'm an odd duck. And your company's in Salt Lake City. It's not on Wall Street. Yep, yeah, I'm in Salt Lake City. Wow. I go, wow. She said, so just pay attention. So um, what I did is I, I was able to effectively, I'm going to use the word invent, but really it's cobbling together various things to into something, a system, Mary mentioned right way, to find the right way for me to convert my business very fast from a boss dependent business into one that the business was independent of me, that I was irrelevant. So the buyer could buy my business and not me. So I was able to do that in three years. And so I created a system for that. Simultaneously, I used that system that I'd created that I could see working wonders for my company and Adam and I insisted that my clients adopt the same one. Now, I had a, I had a big lever, right? So people, people wanted me to raise $10 million for them. And I'd say, Adam, I will raise the 10 million if you run your business the way I uh, asked you to. It's a, it's, a, it's an irresistible so, uh, offer. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was it. So I had that lever. Uh, but then what happened is, is when I sold the business, uh, I had such a, I changed my interaction with my clients. And I discovered that among, if you will, if you look at my investments in a bell curve, well, I could see that the ones that were most likely to give me multiple returns on my investment were the elite companies. Makes sense. They were the most successful. So they were the ones most receptive to what I was saying as well. So when I sold my business, I just rolled into my current business with a built-in client base. So I began kind of at the ending. So I, when I started my business in this current business in 1999, I had high-end clients. I had people paying me large sums of money on a monthly basis. I had all the things that many of our listeners are trying to get to. I just, I went in you know, in the back door, if you will. But what I discovered is the exact same system worked for me and has worked for hundreds of different kinds of companies in hundreds of different shapes and sizes all over the planet. Uh, so uh, yeah, universally applicable standard method 
of running a business. Yes. Yeah. And there's a few things I hear in there and, and I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, the series Fargo, but there's a, there's a picture in one of the early seasons of that. And, um, it's, it's basically, I mean, I noticed this because there's a school of fish, one going, uh, going one way and then just a single fish going the other way. And it says, what is if everybody else is wrong? And I, I kind of got attracted to that because I think that, as you say, if you're trying to do what everybody else is doing, you're just going to end up looking like everybody else and it's going to be harder to stand out. That in itself is a great strategy. Do something different, stand out, be different. You know, people will pay attention. And I think that the, the other one is that it's, it's all about understanding that you can actually choose the type of client that you work with. You may be applicable to a number, yes. but you're, yeah. you're, you know, one of the key growth strategies is choose your target client and market wisely. If you know you can get great results, but they have to have a certain criteria, i.e. they have to be in a late level company, well, position yourself to serve them. Don't waste your time with people that are not going to be receptive to what it is that you do, because you're just going to be banging your head against the brick wall. And that in itself is a growth strategy. And, and I love some of these answers because I love the fact that they are strategic and they are not tactical, because a lot of people will be thinking tactics, but that isn't what moves the needle. So fascinating and and again an, an example of just keeping ears open and listening to some of those things that that comes from experience hey it's adam now just a quick one before we dive into today's virtual hot seat because as the core philosophy behind the show is a rising tide lifts all ships i'd love to invite you to come and hang out with me my guests and other business owners and directors of established businesses with a track record of providing good, solid service and a positive reputation in their market inside the B2B Growth Think Tank community, where we all connect, solve problems and help each other grow more profitable businesses. It's free to join, so come along, join us at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash think tank group. I look forward to welcoming you, but first, let's get to today's virtual hot seat. What I'd love to jump onto now is to take some of that experience, take some of that wisdom and go and, and, and help somebody out that is, is facing a growth challenge right now. And uh, we'll jump onto the, uh, onto the virtual hot seat. So today's question has uh, come in and it's an interesting one um, because I think in light of the current situation, maybe a lot of us are going through something similar or we feel that we've been in this or, or, or experiencing this situation. So the, the challenge has come in and name redacted and um, preferred not to be named, but I do know that this is a PR firm. So the challenge is we have recently lost a few large contracts due to COVID. These contracts have been big enough to keep us busy um, for the last few years, but it's may also made us quite lazy in keeping our name out there. And we haven't had a serious private inquiry for months now, and it's starting to feel like we're starting all over again. What would you do? So. First thoughts on that? Well, uh, so that was a, a so you had shared the question with me earlier. So I have thought about it a bit. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to to answer the question so that everybody, including the woman that asked that question, would uh, would be able to benefit. And that is first, I mentioned earlier that uh, we are. Pro, I use the word program. What I, what I mean by that is we've been taught over and over and over again uh, to do various things. Uh, and it's helpful, for example. So we're 
we don't have to think very much about driving a car. We did when we first learned, it was extremely difficult and complicated, but now you don't think about it. All you think about is going, getting to such and such a place and you go do that. Back to our business, we've been programmed and we still are, there's huge, huge pressure to fall, to be a lemming, to follow the crowd, to listen to the experts, to be ordinary. And so part of that is the environment we're in is a crisis caused by a pandemic, right? No, that's not it. It's just another uh, adversity that's in your way that came from outside. It's got nothing to do with you. And so your choices are deal with the, with the circumstance as is, i.e. deal with the hand that you're dealt or forget about that notion and go, Adam, as you just said, that little, I envision red fish, the little red fish leaving the school and doing it differently. So that's kind of part one is whatever in the world everybody else is doing in the PR industry or whatever industry you happen to be in with a similar sort of a situation, don't follow the industry because they're all just in the middle of that bell curve. They're all average. They're doing what the average does. So instead, be that red fish, jump out and do something differently. And maybe the first thing, Adam, you kind of teed it up. And that is maybe those are the wrong clients in general, because one thing is clear about those particular clients, they are lemmings. They are following the crowd. If you think about it, in a situation like this, you should be double spending on, on public relations. You shouldn't be backing away. That's where you need help so that you've got a customer that doesn't understand the value proposition. Now, I don't know your company, uh, but, but probably if you look through the lens uh, of the industry, you've positioned yourself as a PR company that's involved in the uh, this part of this industry that does things in a certain way, I don't know, with certain logos and brand statements and taglines and whatever in the world it is that, that, that the industry does. If you're going to be successful in this environment, in fact, any other environment, you've got to reinvent the whole approach. You're, you've got to be able to say to people, well, people think we're a PR firm, but we're not a PR firm. What we are is we're somebody that bridges the gap between current circumstances and the dream. That's it. And uh, they said, well, how do you do that? Well, question is, are you concerned about the way we do it or the result? Well, the result, good. Then I'll just imagine that I'm doing it with magic. So I think the overall lesson there is, uh, on, on, uh, let's call that one third of the answer. And that is, forget about the circumstances that you're, that you're given looking at it through a different prism, which could include firing the client. Could be the wrong client. Maybe this is a signal like me getting fired. It's a signal that maybe you're in the wrong ball game. Well, that's the thing, there isn't are, it? Because you can, you, you can sort of look at the situation and, and yes, you are seeing things in crisis mode. And there was an element of that that came through the question. It was, right, we are suddenly left with zero pipeline and what do I do? You know, and, and you can almost sort of see them, you know, sitting there going, right, do I go in now and, and try and sort of spend money over here or do it over here? Do I get on LinkedIn? Do I, you know, clubhouse or whatever it is that's going on at the moment, you can almost see that sort of panic going on. So the first thing is, yeah. as you say there, Correct. breathe, take a step back, 
and just maybe take half a day if you've got a team. And actually now is the time to start questioning, is our offer relevant to the market? And if it's not, how do we change it? And if you need to know how to change it or what to change it to, the best thing you can do is define who you want that client to be and go and have a conversation with them. Find out their problems. What is it that you're trying to achieve? It doesn't even have to be specifically garnered around the PR side of things and what they're doing. Find out what they are struggling with, what their goals are, all that kind of thing. And you can then get a picture of what their day looks like what their business looks like, what things are happening that you can actually start to see how the skills that you have can support their goals and their objectives. And then you can start crafting more of an offer. It may well be your existing offer and it's perfect. Yeah, you did beautiful. However, you don't know that. Well, earlier on, you actually brought this up. Excuse me, I, 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 I cut you off and I, I apologize. That's all right, keep going. Okay, so earlier on, you actually said... Uh, avoid the trap of tactics. And uh, so uh, back to programming, Man, most of us have been taught when we were young, uh, you're in the, uh, your house, your parents are there and, and one of your siblings drops a glass of milk. All of a sudden you hear, Adam, get up and do something about that. You jump up, what? And, and you run around the house and you, you get a broom and you do all that stuff. We're programmed to Jump up and take Adam, what you just said, so beautiful. You want to do the exact opposite. Don't jump up. Don't do anything. For heaven's sakes, don't get seduced by somebody's sh new shiny penny, i.e. sales page. And instead, take a breather, go someplace, sit down by yourself or your team, and reinvent what you're doing. Uh, reinvent it totally. In fact, uh, don't do anything. Just sit there and let the universe give you some input if you want. But for sure, don't go sweep up that broken glass yet. Make sure you figure it out. Like, for example, maybe you should get some shoes on before you walk out there and that field of broken glass. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe something a little bit more tangible that they could do that while they're also doing this could be, I guess, you know, I know this person, they, they, they do have a book of clients. They do have people that they are still serving. It's just that their big contracts have gone. So one of the things that, they, that, that could happen is, is, is go and have these kind of conversations with your existing clients. It's almost like interview your existing clients and find out what's going on in their business because what you, you, you will undoubtedly know this. Your biggest asset is your existing client base, but more importantly, it's the relationship you have with that client base. If you can go in and be shown to be curious and trying to find out more ways of supporting them, they will tell you what they need. There's no need to go out there and do um, you know, some sort of fancy marketing campaign because if you've got an asset that's existing right in front of you, they will give you a lot of these answers. So set up, um, you know, we used to do things like boardroom briefings where we get, uh, you know, a bunch of clients around, around a table. We can't do that, but you could get them onto a Zoom call if you wanted to do it as a group thing and have a conversation and just say, we know that you guys are in a similar sort of space. Tell us about what's going on in your business. What's going on? What is the industry? How do you see things going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find out so much information because you are putting yourself in an environment and you're normalizing it. So that you can be the two ears and one mouth and you can actually hear what's going on. And then you can take what you learn, strategize with your team and say, right, 
interesting. We've got something that we think could actually help you solve all of the challenges or some of the challenges that you said you had going on your business. Are you open to hearing about it? Like do that with a few clients. There's almost certainly something there because I always say that there is almost undoubtedly within either your existing client base or your network, six to seven opportunities of hidden growth opportunities. You've just got to know how to open the doors to the conversations that will create them. So that's what I would do. Um, anything, any sort of final thoughts on that? Oh, I agree totally with what you just said. I used a tool for that. Uh, so uh, think about an XY um, graph, if you will, uh, love on one scale and gross margin or gross profit in the other. And then just plot all your clients on there. And, and what you want to do uh, as a business owner is you want to deal with as many as you possibly can customers, clients that you love your relationship with them and who give you a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, gross margin or revenue or however, however you want to measure that. Uh, I remember a time, uh, a little quick story about a client of mine in the fruit business. And one of their clients was a company called Walmart. Now, Walmart has a reputation of being absolutely brutal on vendors. That's their reputation. So I'm with this client uh, and I asked them to plot all their clients on this love profit scale. And Walmart ranked low on love and, didn't, and they didn't make any money. So the choices are forget about doing business with Walmart because they don't make any money. And, and also you, you, uh, you uh, uh, don't like working with them. Okay, so they say to me, what would you do, Bill? And I said, well, I'd go talk to Walmart and ask them how you can be the number one fruit vendor. I they said, as simple as that. I said, simple as that. Go ask them. They'll tell you. So they did. They went down and had a meeting with Walmart and they said, hey, how could we be number one? And, uh, and I got lots of stories like that, hundreds of these, but it's the same story. This is the one you just teed up. So when you're with somebody in an envir environment in, like that and, and you say, how can we blank? How can we rise to number one in your eyes? How can we help you reach your goal? Anything, how can we? People will say, well, you could blank. So Walmart told them exactly what to do and they did it. So today, Walmart ranks in this company number one on love, meaning the most fun to do business with and the most profitable company they have. And so that's a tool that everybody should use all of the time. Gr graduate to the upper right corner where all of the high profit and high love exists. And I think the, uh, the, the, the real sort of summary around all of that is it's beautiful because it's something that I'm, I've learned the hard way. And it's been said before in a number of places, but it's, it's so like it, one of the, the, the big lessons that I'm learning is the quality of your outcomes is determined by the quality of your questions. Most people don't ask questions. It's a little bit like your example, right? at The beginning about being told to have a house in uh, Palo Alto. You didn't ask the question. Why? Oh, right. Most people are either scared to ask a question or they don't know the right question to ask because they're not comfortable enough to hear the answer. 
good way to put it. So one of the key things that you can do is go and ask questions, actually talk to your market, your clients and all the rest of it, even the ones you don't like working with, or even the ones that you've had a sketchy relationship, because you actually want to hear the negative answers. How can we do better? What can we do to improve? Yeah. And you should talk to prospective clients too and, and say, I'm not coming to make a sales question whatsoever. I'm doing some market research. Would you be interested in participating? And you go and you say, hey, if you were to uh, found a public relations firm, what would, it, what would you want it to do for you? And they'll tell you what they want. Lo and behold, new product, new service. Oh, yeah. and, and it's such a, you know, sometimes these simple things are the most effective, but sometimes it's the thing between our ears that make it the hardest to do. Go and ask questions, talk to people. So yeah, I, that's a fascinating, uh, I hope that has helped the lady that sent this in and um, I will be making sure that she, uh, she, she knows that it's been featured. So uh, just to sort of um, start uh, wrapping up, one thing, um, why don't you sort of tell us about the, the kind of ideal client that you work with and the big problem that you solve for them? So the, uh, the ideal client uh, I have, Adam, uh, would be uh, essentially a seasoned business owner. And I use the word seasoned because they need to have experienced some of the things we've talked about. They need to have, uh, uh, have tried a bunch of tactics and have them fall on their face. They need to have purchased an online course and studied it and seen that it didn't work. They've needed to uh, copy the industry averages and see uh, that didn't get me any place. They need to hire a few people that were bad hires. So they're seasoned. So generally speaking, uh, my ideal client is at least in phase two in some place moving uh, towards phase three. So they've got in their mind, things should be better. They've got a dream uh, they've been in business long enough for, to see it not fulfilled. And normally the dream is freedom. If you think about all of us as business owners, it's freedom. You want to be free from whatever in the world existed in the past. You, need, you want more money and you want more time and you want, you want all these kinds of more love, more appreciation, et cetera, freedom. So I need somebody that's seasoned, experienced some of the got some cuts and bruises and broken bones, and they can say, genuinely, I've done everything I can think of, I've listened to all kinds of people, and I am not free. I have not gotten to where I've, and when, once they're at that point, then when I say to them, you've got to reinvent your mind, you've got to toss out your old way of thinking and adopt the new one. Number two, you've got to systematize your approach. You can't run your business from a whack-a-mole standpoint. I.e., when the pandemic comes up, deal with it. No, you've got to have a system, a systemized approach. And then third, in the, in the, in the best possible path to freedom is you've got to invest in hiring A players. By A, I mean the absolute best person who's willing to take your job at, at the salary you're offering. That's an A player. Their production level is so geometrically better than an average player, it'll completely free you. And once you've got there. So that's my ideal client. Somebody that's gotten themselves to the point where they actually know what they did in the past didn't work very well. And so what's the problem you solve? So the primary problem is the problem of being kind of trapped in the thing you've built. So people get to the point where they feel, you know, I'm stuck. I went from not being free working for IBM to not being free in my own business. So the problem is getting people to fundamentally 
get free of the environment that they've uh, that they've created for themselves. And and once they've done that, then the path towards more revenue, more prop, more more personal income, and and building a business of value somebody else might want to buy is a possibility. And until then, until that problem is solved. Uh, uh, that's the other things are not possible. And are you able to share a, a bit of a story, an example of how you've helped someone solve that in, 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 in what you do and the process that you take them through? Have you got any, you know, what was their situation? What happened? Well, I can get, I, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens, but one that comes to mind, which, which is, uh, which, which speaks a lot to this whole notion of the market is I had a, uh, I have a client uh, who is a printing company, meaning that, People hire them to print brochures and catalogs and, and, and that type of thing. And so that's what they do. And the industry fundamentally uh, is sort of a local business. Uh, they, they, they print for the local environment. They may have a sales rep or two that makes calls on the various companies, uh, land uh, uh, agreements, bring back a job order, and then they produce it and ship it out. So... Uh, this person, his name is Craig, was able to realize that there's no reason that if you think about it, there's, there's things called like freight. So you can actually ship a job a pretty good distance in a pretty good time. You know, there's a great logistics company. So by just simply changing his mind from being a local printer trapped in the geography that his trucks his trucks get to in a day if you will uh he's now the one of the largest online printers in in the country of the united states uh, so all of his business comes through uh his website uh people come onto his website make an order he produces it ships it out to them wherever they are in in the usa so that's a, a quick simple story of somebody that only simplistically changed his mind about who his, uh, what his market should be. And everybody thought he was crazy. I mean, you don't, that's not the way the industry works. It doesn't work that way. Now, he's been doing this for quite some time. He's one of the, you know, the top one or two in the country. Other people now in his industry do this, they've copied him, but he's right now thinking about an entirely new way of, of going about it. And uh, the entirely new way would be not to do any printing himself at all, but just be the marketing uh, hub and then farming all the work out to other printers across the nation. So, so there's a, and he's close to making that decision, which would reinvent the industry one more time. So mm. mind shift story. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it, it's incredible because it just shows that, that, that sometimes, you know, that, that whole saying, um, you know, big doors swing on small hinges and what, what may appear at the very beginning to be quite a small decision can have such an exponential impact, but it's right. because it was a decision that was made at the foundational level, which is where everything else stems from. You know, you get people in, in, in the industry, you know, marketing online, digital marketing, and they'll obsess about getting a, you know, 0.5% increase because you change the color of a button on a landing page. Right. Brilliant. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. Well, even in his case, the, 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 he made a strategic decision. So he, what he did, and now today, for example, he does do Facebook ads, but what he didn't decide when he made his decision was to do Facebook ads. So that dangling shiny thing didn't attract him. What attracted him was I need to change my strategy 
So strategy trumps tactical things any old time. So never ever do anything tactically unless it fits in with your strategy. You are preaching to the choir. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I know, I know. Bill, this has been a, a fantastic conversation and thank you so much for sharing not just your, your value and your story, but you know, your, your wisdom and, and advice for our, uh, our virtual hot seat. I know that that is going to be incredibly valuable. So for those listening that would love to learn more and connect with you, where is the best place to, uh, to find out more about Bill? Well, okay. Look, uh, Adam, knowing that you're a super generous guy, I said, okay, I got to do something, something nice too. So, so uh, what I've done is I've taken a, my foundational course, which uh, uh, typically uh, sells for $297. And, I, and, and for you and your listeners, Adam, I've made that zero. And so they simply go to getbillsgift.com, getbillsgift.com, and they'll be able to get access to that uh, $300 course for zero. And then once they've done that, I'll see that they've got some interest in changing their trajectory of their company, and then we can begin a dialogue. So getbillsgift.com. And I, I, will, uh, I will add that link to the show notes. And first of all, that's incredibly generous. Thank you. And um, second of all, um, as whoever is listening is listening to a podcast, just to let them know that uh, your podcast is um, Supercharged Business. Supercharging business success. Supercharging That's business success. And uh, again, I will leave the uh, link. And um, as I as I mentioned at the beginning, fortunate enough to uh, to, to come and uh, be on the show, and it's a it's a great format. Um, you're listening and probably used to a longer format, so it'll be a bit different because it's sort of yeah seven to min- seven to ten minutes, but it's a fantastic format, and I highly highly recommend it. So. Um, Bill, thank you ever so much for, uh, for, for coming on. It's been a pleasure and we will speak soon. Great. Thanks for having me on. So that's it for this episode. I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also, to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, The Conversational Relationship Marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you and if you have enjoyed the show please make sure you're subscribed you'll get updated as the new episodes come out and finally last favor please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on apple podcasts i read every single one they mean the world for me i love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well so if you want to go and do that i'd really appreciate it but until next time have an awesome day and we'll speak soon